You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Good morning. We are the Gunther family, uh, usually seven strong, but only four today. Uh, We're missing my husband, Matt, our oldest son, James Matthew, and our youngest daughter, Jessamine. But here this morning, I'm Afua, and this is our oldest daughter, Jemima, and Joanna, and our youngest, Jedediah. And we want to bring you the Advent passage for this morning, which is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Though you have not seen Christ, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your, self, the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Everything from Christ's birth, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection were foretold by prophets all throughout the Old Testament. This Christmas, let us rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory so that everyone around us can taste the joy that Jesus offers. Amen. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Oh, yeah, hi. Wow. That's a little bit of, I got to be honest, I'm just going to be transparent here. One of the things that, uh, that I really uh, focused in on when I was on my sabbatical uh, was uh, the World Cup, right? I mean, it was, it's a huge thing. Americans, we don't really care about it that much, but I love soccer, and, uh, and I have watched so many of the matches. I was waking up at 2, 3 in the morning, right, to, to watch Cameroon play, and, uh, but the championship game is this morning. So I know that everybody was like, I got to get out of the house. I hope this storm passes. I was like, just Lord, until Monday. If you could just, you know, I mean, I love getting together for church, but uh, I've given you, Lord, the last month. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, here we are. So don't, nobody tell me the score, uh, which you won't, because if you really love it and watch it, you stayed home. Um, so I want to give you a little bit of a background on something. Uh, we, our theme right now that we've been talking about this Christmas season is a vintage Christmas. And it's just really kind of a, how do we look back at all the great things that God has done to be reminded of the incredible work that, that he did through Jesus here on this earth that we could, during this Christmas season, just kind of a, a, a check of ourselves to say, you know what? Uh, the world may seem as though it's getting a little bit rough, but my God is good. And I need to be reminded of that, just that the feeling of Christmas once again. So what we did is we asked people to kind of submit stories of their favorite Christmases. And then uh, uh, those that are running kind of our social media team 
kind of got together behind the scenes with my mom and my sister, and all of a sudden these pictures of me as a kid have been showing up on our social media. You don't recognize it because of the incredible bowl haircut uh, that I had in this one. But this picture was probably, I want to give you just some background. It was taken, I don't know, I think this is maybe Christmas of like 84, 85. And first of all, let me just say, um, if you grew up in Bismarck in the 80s, you will know that uh, that outfit, let me just tell you, uh, that, that is a shirt from uh, Jeans West, and those are parachute pants uh, from the county seat. Remember those two stores, uh, right? We had teenagers, that's where we shopped. Let me tell you about that shirt, by the way. That is a leather stripe that is sewn down the center of that shirt. And you can't see, but on the elbows were leather patches because you don't want to wear your elbows out when you're breakdancing, right? So uh, anyhow, um, yeah, so I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but let me tell you, the, the gift that I'm opening was also pretty mind-blowing. It was called a joy board. And it plugged into this incredible entertainment system called the Atari. And what you did is instead of a joystick, you stood on it. Mind-blowing stuff, I know. Uh, the kids with the switches are like, what is he even talking about? Uh, but you'd stand on it, and it was like a skiing game and all that. And it was something that I wanted, and I was so excited to get it. Uh, but the thing about this picture is, is that that smile on my face is totally fake. Because I was a rat. Uh, growing up when it came to gifts, I always looked for my Christmas presents, and I almost always found them. I didn't find the joy board, though, so when my mom and dad weren't home one night, I opened it up just to see what this big box was that was under the tree, uh, and I was so excited, but then I had to work for days to come up, what's the face I'm going to use when I open this, and my mom got the camera out because she's like, he's going to be so excited. I got to capture this on film, and she captured it, but it's just, it's fake. It's manual manufactured joy. That's the best that I could come up with. And uh, yeah, I'm a, that's, I didn't go into acting, uh, obviously. But it was manufactured joy. Today, I want to talk about real joy, where it comes from and why we can live with it. Why we, it's not something that we have to drum up. We've been talking about this for the last number of weeks as we dig through the Psalms, as, as the psalmist continues to write to us that we can sing a new song, that our souls can rejoice because we've been rescued, we've been redeemed because of what God has done. In Luke chapter 2, as the shepherds receive the information, the news from the angels that, that the Savior has been born, they go into the city and they find, just like the angels, uh, angel had said, uh, that there he was, unto us, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. True biblical joy, not something that is manufactured by us, but as the angels said, I bring you good news that is filled with great joy. The Savior has come for you. That's where our joy comes from as believers, not something that we have to fake. It's not something that we create. Joy is a natural result. It's an exaltation of an understanding of a God that loves us, cares about us, blesses us and rescues us. It's a delight that we have in our soul, a gladness that we feel of God's work in our lives. Do you have true joy? So the shepherds they receive the good news of great joy. They go and they experience it. The Savior has been born. And then Luke tells us that they then walked away. They left and they went back out into their fields 
praising God and worshiping Him. Because praise is a direct result. Worship is a direct result of what it is that God has done in our lives and an understanding of that. David writes about joy in Psalm 98. This is what he writes. Let's stand together as I read this for us. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He's revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth and He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. Let's pray. Father, as we just kind of unpack uh, your word, we come to you understanding that it's only through the power of your Holy Spirit that, that we can grasp the magnitude of your incredible word that you've given to us. So we're just asking now that you would do a work. Uh, give us ears to hear, give me a voice to speak, and Father, give us hearts that desire deeply to follow passionately after you. In your name, amen. You can have a seat. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says that because of Jesus, that we can be joyful always, giving thanks in whatever the circumstance is that we face. It's a whole lot easier said than done, we know that. Um, Oftentimes we we let our circumstances really determine our emotions and how we're going to live. Bad day, no joy, right? Good day maybe a little bit of joy in our lives. But if we're supposed to be joyful always, then obviously we've got to figure out there's got to be something deeper to all of this, beyond the issues of our day. And so how can we this Christmas uh, have that type of a focus? Where can we find our Christmas cheer, true Christmas joy? First of all, just to break this text up into a few sections Uh, David calls us to focus on the wonder of who God is, Um, not not the season that we live in, but but actually what God has done in our lives. Does it blow you away? Because when you really place your focus on that, your heart has really no choice but to just beat faster for who God is. David begins with a call. He says, sing to the Lord a, a new song. It's time for something fresh. Time for something loud. Time for something that's just going to, everyone is going to hear. We find this all throughout the Psalms. Psalm 96 over and over talks about sing to the Lord a new song. This here in in Psalm 98, Psalm 149, and then really one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit. And out of the miry clay, so I will sing a new song. I've been given new life. I'm refreshed and revived and 
and I'm tired of singing the same old song really in my own life that sounds more like wah, wah, than, than God, I love you and I praise you. If His mercies are new every morning, then so should our worship to Him be for all that He does. David says, you have so much to praise God for. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things, incredible things, mind-blowing, miraculous things. Do we understand it? Do we receive it? Do we focus on that? All that God has done, or are we too busy focused on the things that other people have done to us, what's going on in the world around us, or blaming God for the not-so-wonderful things that happen in our lives? What's the song that you sing each day? Who's the song about? Right? Who's, who's the subject of the songs of your life, the things that are on your mind, the things that, that your heart beats for? Thomas Merton said, sing me the songs of a generation and I will tell you the soul of the times. Genius. I went up in, uh, this week and I looked at the uh, top ten songs on the billboard charts. I think half the titles I can't even say in church, right? That's the world that we're living in. But every one of them centers around, it's all about me, what you can do for me, what you did to me. That's the soul of our times, the song that we need to be singing about what you've done for me, how great you are, God. I know the story of a young man, his name was Isaac Watts. He grew up in the late 1600s and early 1700s. Um, and um, they were at church one Sunday as a family, and he as a teenager was kind of, he was just looking around and like, like just this angry look on his face. His dad's like, hey, we're singing, you know, you got you to gotta worship. And his question was, why? Because nobody around here looks like they're really too happy about singing. And so he got it in his mind. He said, you know, dad, what needs to happen is somebody needs to write some new worship songs. Right? These songs of the 1500s and 1600s are getting old. Uh, and, and the dad, uh, to his teenager, was a typical, I'm a dad, right? Typical teenager, uh, and typical teenage dad. And he said to him, well, if you think you can do any better, go for it. And so Isaac Watts went home and he started to write down some, just some poetry and, and, and some lyrics to different songs. And he was frustrated because he said, it seems as though as good as the songs are, the people aren't believing them. Like their faces are, are just not filled with joy. And if a stranger, that was his, what burdened him, he said, if a stranger would walk in to our church today, uh, why would he believe anything uh, that, that we're singing about or that the preacher is talking about because nobody actually is living it out? They would most definitely question their faith. And so Isaac Watts went home, and at a really young age, he penned this song that we know is When I Survey the Wonders Cross. And he continued on and actually wrote a, a, a hymnal in the early 1700s that, uh, where he rewrote the Psalms into just contemporary language for the people of the day that could be sung as hymns and put music to it. And you know what happened? Churches split over it. How dare he even touch the Psalms to rewrite? And he's like, we, we have to sing it in such a way that people would actually understand it because 
you're just singing words and your faces aren't changing, your hearts aren't changing. So I'm giving this out to the people to actually sing praise to God in a new and in a fresh and a vibrant way. Pastors got fired over bringing Isaac Watts' hymnal uh, into the church. One of those hymns, he rewrote Psalm 98, uh, and to which we just read, but uh, Isaac Watts rewrote it as the song that we now know as Joy to the World, right? Now all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if I want to sing that, now that I know, uh, written by a punk. Um, but it wasn't meant to be really a Christmas song at all. It was about this incredible praise that Jesus is coming again, and He's going to do an incredible work when He does. Why do we have joy? David goes on to say, he says, sing the Lord a new song. He's done marvelous things. And the very top of the list, he says, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. God has made his salvation known to us. That and that alone is why we can and should continually live with joy. I know that, that oftentimes we, we, we preach it. We, we know that Scripture says that salvation does not depend on us. Salvation is the work of God. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, convicting us and drawing us uh, to Himself. And Jesus gave His life up for us. But yet there's always those days, right? Those bad days or something happens to us or we do something foolish and all of a sudden we start to question, well, maybe, maybe they're not saved. Maybe I'm not saved. Or maybe if I do enough good things, then maybe God will all of a sudden, then it'll move from you know, tears to applause for me, and we know that that's not the truth, but somehow we get sucked into that so often. Those whose lives have been changed by Christ, no matter what our circumstances are, understand that I can live with joy. I can live in the wonder that God has done the rescuing, that I didn't deserve it, and there's nothing I can do that's good enough to get God to love me more, but there's also what, there, there's not enough bad I can do to, to get God to hate me? Because of what Christ has done. God so loved the world that He gave us His Son. And so David says, so sing a new song. A fresh expression of the reality of our salvation. That's where it comes from. No matter what happens in our world, we as believers are called to sing a new song. Not necessarily uh, walking around worshiping, singing songs at the top of our lungs all the time, but are we living with joy that our life is a song that's sung, that people see our lives and they understand those lyrics of how good God is. Isaiah 59 is just a powerful passage, begins with encouragement of those who maybe are feeling lost, separated from God. He says, don't think the Lord's hand is not strong enough to save or that He doesn't hear you. Then what I love is Isaiah just really preaches the gospel. Our sin has separated us from God. Justice is far from us. We hope for light, but we end up walking in gloom, he says. Verse 15, but God saw it, and it wasn't good to him that he saw no justice. He looked and saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. In other words, God looked upon the earth and knew that there is not a person on earth that could redeem us or save us, that we're all doomed. No wonder we all have gloom. But then, Isaiah says, his own arm brought salvation. Same words that David had spoken. 
in verse 20, and a Redeemer will come. A Redeemer will come to Zion. And God says, my words I have now put in your mouth and I have put them in the mouths of your children. They'll pass it on to their children and they'll pass it on to their children's children. So arise and shine for your light has come. No more gloom. You can walk around with true joy telling people about this incredible good news because you believe it for yourself. Sing to the Lord a new song, David says. Or if that doesn't work, Bud of the Elf says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Are you spreading the joy of Christ with just the life that you're living? Do you truly believe it? What it is that He's done for you? Oh, the marvelous things. And do you embrace it? We've been asking for uh, stories, favorite stories uh, uh, that you have about Christmas. This is a great one. It said, our son was deployed to Afghanistan over Christmas. We were trying to make the best of it, make a great Christmas for, for all of our kids. My husband and I took our girls to get a live tree, which of course required some trimming on the bottom to fit into the tree stand. My husband gathered the branches and said, I've got an idea. Came out of his shop with a huge smile and a makeshift Christmas tree made with the branches that were trimmed from our tree. We all got excited to package it up and send it off to our son, and he absolutely loved it. We're all pleased that we were all enjoying the same tree. Plus, he said it was a hit in the barracks. I have conversations with people all the time uh, that we talk about our situations, right, and, and, um, and what's going on in the world. And, uh, and in all honesty, like a lot of times our conversation ends with, you know what, just come, Jesus, we're ready. Just come and, and put an end uh, to all of this. You, you probably said that so many times this week when you're out shoveling for the 30th time, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, our circumstances cause us to, to, to see only the negative. Uh, unless, unless... We could shift our focus, which is what David is trying uh, to help us to understand. Stop focusing on what's going on out there and understand that all of that is taken care of already by what Christ did when he came and he gave up his life. The angels knew it in heaven when he came to earth. Rejoice, I'm giving you good news of great joy. This world is now about to get a whole lot better. Because now you've got a rescue. Now you can look at the world and all that's going on and you might see doom and gloom, but no, 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 no. There is joy because that's all been defeated. That's all temporary. That all will one day go away. But what Jesus does is offer you an eternity. Joy on this earth now, but an eternity of joy and singing praises to God. David says in this song, you have a reason to praise a reason to be joyful. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. That's the calling in our life. Conviction for me? Stop complaining about the complaining. Right, Paul? Stop getting down about the negative people. Stop letting it change your emotions and shift your focus. Remember that you are rescued and redeemed and saved. You've done nothing about it. It was a gift that was given to you. 
receive it. Let it impact my life. And then, and then live it out. Whatever the world wants to throw at me, it doesn't even compare to the marvelous things that God has done in this world for each and every one of us. Make a joyful noise in all that you do. According to, uh, to some ancient Jewish tradition, there, there is um, kind of there, ancient rabbis wrote uh, kind of some commentaries on the Torah, on the law, and on the Old Testament, and that came to be known as the Midrash. And so different rabbis would teach different things about it, and you would kind of align yourself with, with what their teachings were. And so those teachings would spread. One of them that was spread throughout Jewish tradition was, was that if you were to look through the Old Testament, uh, you could really find there were ten songs that the, the ancient rabbis chose that said these are the songs that every Jewish family should sing all of the time because they reflect our journey from creation, which they say Psalm 92 is song number one, they say is a song of Adam because it's about the Sabbath and it's about rest and it's about how good God is. And then it just continues to move on. It goes from the song of creation and moves to Exodus 14 uh, when um, the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites, God parted the sea. And as uh, the, uh, the Egyptians got into the water, God closed it in over them. And there's a song that we read about then in Exodus 14. And they said, that's song number two. Song number three um, is called the Song of the Well. It's found in Numbers 21. Pretty great story of God, again, doing a miraculous work. And, and so there's this, it goes on for all the way up to, to these 10 songs that we as a Jewish people and have watched God do great things and rescue us out of tough times. And so it was always a good, a good thing happened, then life got rough. But then God rescued, then life got rough. But then God rescued, and it's always looking back. However, song number 10, they say, we don't sing. We will sing one day when the Messiah comes. When he comes to rescue us, then we will sing that song. And there's actually debate uh, over what that song was. Some uh, said that it came uh, out of Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You have increased joy, and they rejoice before you. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. But there are others that say that this psalm, Psalm 98, is the tenth song that will one day be sung because it's a song about God's redemption, rescue, and salvation. But, but in both of those instances, circumstances, they say it's about someday. Come, Lord Jesus. Come rescue us. We know by looking back at God's word, seeing what it is that he's done, that it's a song to be sung today. Unto us a child is born. Not was, is. Given to us. God came to this earth to rescue me, you, as individuals. As applicable today as it was on the day that he was born. Christ has come. God's done something great. And so David says, so make a loud noise about it. Break out the, the harp and the lyre. Bring out the marching band. 
David knew this really well. If you remember when, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and marched it in, David as the king, who according to kind of the, the tradition, should have sat up in his palace and looked down on this celebration. And King David got out in front of the ark and he strips naked out in the streets of Jerusalem and he just dances in front of it. Just He doesn't care. He's, he's undignified, he said to his wife. I'll get even more undignified, which I don't know what that means. Um, but, but there he is because he just says God deserves this. Because David strips down because he says, look, I may be king here, but I'm not king of the universe. Uh, I'm humbled before him. And, and that's the call that we have on our lives. I will sing a song of praise to the Lord. Whatever it is, a fresh new song with my life to do whatever it is that I need to do to let him know how much I love him and that he is king. Revelation 3.21 tells us Jesus' words. I conquered and I sat down with my father on his throne. He is king, deserves our praise with our lives. Don't focus on the misery of the world, but shout for joy for the one who has overcome. A few weeks ago, I took our car in. I was not in a good mood. One, it was cold out. Two, I I have a garage that's too small and it's very cold and I... I, for some reason, I'm not much of a car, like a mechanic. I'm not great at it. I usually break something while I'm fixing something, which means I get to go buy a new tool, so I get excited about fixing stuff. Um, but it was too cold. I wasn't going to change the oil, and so I took it uh, I took to get the oil changed, and the store was packed. Uh, it was just people everywhere that afternoon. It was a Saturday afternoon, and everybody's crabby. And it was taking, like, instead of a half hour, it was, it was like an hour to an hour and a half. And I'm sitting there. I'm not talking to anybody. I just got my phone. My battery's about to die. There's nothing good about this day. Uh, and uh, there's this one guy who's standing there. He was waiting longer than I was uh, for his car. And he's got his bags. You know, he's waiting around. And he's just walking around talking to people. How are you today? Right? And, the, and he's, they're coming back out like, hey, man, we're sorry. You could tell they were scared to tell him, sorry, your car's nothing. He's like, not a problem. You guys are busy. You know, and, and what I said, first of all, was I hate that guy, all right? But, but, but no, honestly, do you know, do you know what I, I thought to myself? That guy knows Jesus because that's the only explanation as to why he could have joy in the middle of it and pass it on to others. He was living out the Great Commission. He was being salt and light in a time when others, including myself, we just were not. Evil has been defeated. There's a king on the throne. What have we to complain about, to worry about, and to whine about? Sing to the Lord a new song because of his marvelous deeds. So what song do you sing? What song is coming out of your soul and out of your heart? We need to choose positivity. I want to get a little deeper into this and explain it a little bit more. Remember, joy is not something you can manufacture. It doesn't come just because you alter your mindset. It has to be deep within you, created, given to you. True biblical joy can't be found in anything other than Christ. Because of him, what he's done, David goes on to say, really, that all creation sings. So let, he says, let the sea roar and all that fills it. 
the world and those who dwell in it. So not just people, but even the waters that rush. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. It's bigger than us. All of creation sings his praise. I found this. Just let me read it to you. Um, but, but I found it really interesting and a lot of stuff I don't understand. But it's about uh, bioacoustics. It's about what happens out in nature and the sounds that we don't even hear every day. But the writer says this. The, in the research of the field of bioacoustics, it's been revealed that every day we are surrounded by millions of ultrasonic songs that we can't hear. Did you know, for instance, he says, that the electron shell of the carbon atom, which I'm already lost, uh, I don't know what this is, uh, produces the same harmonic scale as the Gregorian chant. Or that whale songs can travel thousands of miles underwater. Or that metalarchs have a range of over 300 notes. Supersensitive sound instruments have even discovered that earthworms make staccato sounds when they move throughout the ground. Somebody probably got their doctorate just to study that, right? Which we're grateful for. Arnold Summerfield, the German physicist and pianist, observed that a single hydrogen atom, which emits 100 frequencies, is more musical than a grand piano that only can emit 88 frequencies. So science writer Lewis Thomas summed it up this way. If we had better hearing and could discern the singing of birds, the rhythmic drumming of schools of mollusks, and the distant harmonics of even flies hanging over meadows in the sun, the combined sound would lift us off of our feet. God hears every day that all of creation is singing songs to Him. The question that we have to ask is, do I fit into the choir? Or am I just causing problems? Is my song harmonizing with how God created the universe? He can hear it all day long. When I was in uh, college, I went to a really small Bible college. I talk about this all the time. And in the dorm that I lived in, we were kind of notorious for just pranks on each other, just being stupid every night. Um, but there was one maybe I've told this before, but um, we had this huge like vacuum cleaner to clean the dorm. It was uh, like a big shop vac, but uh, shop vac on steroids, right? And, um, and what we discovered is that it would be, it's really funny that if we, we would pull the, like a shop vac, we'd pull the motor out, just the motor, and then somebody rigged the, the power switch so that it didn't work. It would just worked only by plugging it in and unplugging it. And so what we would do at night is uh, you could easily, with a credit card, pop somebody's door open in their dorm room. And so in the middle of the night, we would pop the door open and we'd plug that vacuum in. We'd throw that big motor into the room and then we'd pull the door shut. And because I went to school in, in, in Canada, we'd put a hockey stick across the door and then tie a hanger to it so they couldn't get out. So they had to try to sleep all night with a vacuum running in their room, right? Until, until somebody else in the dorm couldn't handle it and went and unplugged it uh, out of the hallway. So this happened over and over and over again until one day when the vacuum cleaner broke and then the school bought a really nice one and charged us all for it. And so what happened next was uh, we had uh, this huge Christmas banquet in the gym 
of, uh, of the school and uh, churches were invited and it was a really fancy night and different choirs from around the city came uh, to, uh, to sing and uh, when our choir got up, uh, the NABC choristers, uh, they're in the middle of a Christmas song, and still to this day, I don't know who did it, uh, but all of a sudden, out from the side of the stage came the vacuum, plugged in, rolling out onto the front of the stage. Everybody turned around and looked at the back corner, because that's where we were all sitting. And who's not there? Because that's, that's who's uh, up there. But I say all that because right in the middle of a beautiful song is just a lot of noise. And I wonder the life that, 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 that we live, I wonder if the life that I live, am I joining in the chorus of all of creation that, that sings praises for God, to God for who He is and what He's done, or am I just vacuum cleaner noise? We're called to be worshipers of God. And then j- just to wrap it up, we, we get to... Uh, this last verse, verse 9, and it seems like David's like, get excited. God's done something great. This is incredible. We should be praising him for it. And for what? What should the, all of creation worship and praise? Uh, because he's coming to judge the earth. <laughs> what? Okay, wait. Uh, I, I, now all of a sudden, I'm not so singy, right? It, what do you mean he's coming to judge the earth? He's going to judge the world with righteousness and all the people will be judged with equity. In other words, they're all going to be judged rightly. What does that mean for us? Because Romans 3.10 says that nobody's righteous. None of us. But he's going to judge the world in righteousness, which means we're all doomed. We're all going to be separated from him forever. Unless, as 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, by God's doing, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. True joy comes in knowing and understanding that that God is going to come and to judge this world, but His measuring rod is going to be His righteousness. It's going to be Jesus. And it's not going to be a matter of how bad were you or how good were you. Not the naughty and the nice list. He's just going to say to His Son, do you know Him? Do you know her? Do they know you? If we want to have true joy... We can't manufacture it. We accept it. We receive it. We embrace the wonder of Jesus coming to this earth who became sin so that we would know no sin. He would free us from it. Bring us into a right relationship with Christ. Will you choose righteousness? And will you live with great joy because of it? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if that's you, then sing to the Lord a new song. If it's not, if you say, you know what, I I don't know Jesus, today's the day to rewrite your song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for how much you love us. 
Thank you for the reminder at Christmas time that, that you did care enough about us to send your son, that you did fulfill your promise, that you are continuing to do marvelous works every day, Father, just by our existence, but by each and every day as people come to know you, as you are working in each and every life. Thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to come and to give up your life for us. God, would you forgive us for those times when, when, when our tune changes, when we sing more about the woe that we are experiencing. You understand it and you know it. You also healed it through your son Jesus. It always comes back to him. Help us to do the same. Amen.